to Mind Crime Liberty Show with me, Swithin Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss, is working at McDonald's a form of slavery? In a free society, would low-wage jobs exist? If so, are low-wage jobs a form of slavery that ought to be abolished? Tim. Before we start about whether slavery, if what exactly is wage slavery, I think we should define slavery. So the Walter Block's definition here is slavery is uh, you can't run away. And why is slavery wrong? Well, of course, it violates the NAP. But, and Robert Nozick, by the way, doesn't even in Anarchy and Utopia doesn't even bother saying slavery. Like, say, what right-thinking person is in favor of slavery? So we just sort of assume that slavery is wrong. Um, uh, Marx doesn't really provide any. Uh, per se, moral argument uh, why slavery is wrong. Um, so in that regard, to the critics of the NAP, we just assume it's wrong. So what is slavery? Well, slavery is you know taking someone's uh, labor. Uh, it also violates the uh, freedom of association. You know that's how Walter Block describes. He had this sort of spat with the New York Times. Um, you can't keep the fruits of your labor. Uh, you you can you can be bought or sold um, to another uh, slaveholder. These are some of the attributes of slavery. Uh, Walter Block says that slavery is not singing songs and picking cotton. You can pick cotton, uh, you can sing songs, but it's you know just it's you have your you don't you don't have access to your fruits of your labor, and you don't have access to anything like uh, you know sovereignty over where you want to do what you want to do. Okay, so but I want to bring up Hans Hoppe before we continue any more on that point of you know what Walter Block. I'd say Hoppe. Block and, of course, Marx all would mostly agree to that definition or certain aspects of definition. But I think Hoppe, uh, in his great uh, essay, says lecture on Austrian class analysis and its similarities with Marxism. This is from the 80s, this lecture, but it's a real gem. Points out that the Marxists are sort of engaged in a trick. The generally new Marxist idea that, that is that essentially nothing has changed as regards exploitation under capitalism i.e. The, the slave becomes a free labor or if the peasants decide to farm land homesteaded by someone else and pays rent in exchange for doing so. To be sure, Marx is in the famous, gives a volume of capital. He goes to how, how in British peasants were expropriated their land. But even if this didn't happen, even if the land they got, uh, even if this, this sort of brutal expropriation happened, and Hoppe says that it's probably broadly true, and to some extent it is broadly true, you know, the peasants were free peasants, and this is in Chapter 27, Das Capital, and they were enclosed, they were rounded up, they it, it was divided amongst um, the barons, so to speak, and that's how you, that's how they were forcing the cities, and that's how you got them as wage slaves. But even if that isn't true, this is based on the factor prices. The wages paid to laborers by the capitalists are lower than the output prices, prices. and this is related to labor theory value. And this is all technical economics, and I think technical economics is important. Um, it's Hoppe, Marx, and the classical liberals all believe that classical chattel slavery, existing like in the American South or in certain European third world empires, uh, as well as the Ottomans did it to whites and the Eastern Europeans too, um, is clearly slavery and is clearly, ineff clearly inefficient. So there's no disagreement there. Serfdom, you have more rights under serfdom. This is in Eastern Europe. And in Britain, up until like the 1400s or 1500s, although that's complicated because, you know, some of the Marxists almost seem to infer that they actually was life was better under serfdom than it was under, air quote, early capitalist wage slavery. But, the, you know, the Marxists and the Austrians agree that, you know, slavery and those two things are slavery, slavery and serfdom. 
interesting serfdom ends up looking a lot like taxation because you know you have to work the master's land or a certain number of your households has to spend a certain amount of time working the master's land before the land is let it out of course you can't be bought and sold uh, you have to keep your families together um so but in that regard there's there's more rights you have uh but this and then this comes into the new question today which is uh is wage slavery I use slavery in air quotes. Is a free laborer working for some modern corporation no different, as Marx would argue, than uh, is no different than you know the serf or the slave uh, in terms of you know production? And this to me is an interesting insight. You see this, you know, Keith Preston will point out that he views McDonald's as a sweatshop. He's working at Walmart as a like a neo feudalism. It shows up on the social democratic left, of course, as well. Um, um, so, so on technical economics realms, uh, it, what would be the contents to make the left um, think that wage slavery isn't slavery? I think the answer is nothing could demonstrate that uh, because they would think that under no circumstances would people choose to work for this. Now, the, the, Hoppe points out the capitalists, based on time preference, you know, if the capitalist was really an exploitative relationship with them, would want to hire more workers. But the capitalist is a consumer, too. So that's why the capitalist doesn't want to employ infinite number of workers, because there are costs to employ. Uh, you know, so he has to consume himself and then they get based on time preference, the workers. That's how the technical economics things. I think technical economics is important, but I think there's also two other factors that define slavery. Before I pass it over to Swithin to sort of out, outline my position, I want to hear what Swithin has to say, is cultural and pay. Um, if you paid the workers at Walmart more money, would they suddenly become non-wage slaves? Um, it's un that's unclear. Interestingly, if you pay people more for doing a job, you might make the job more prestigious, or you might get more people wanting to do the job. Uh, that that's that's one that's one outcome of paying them more. You know, one of the things I notice in movies about slavery in the American South is they never show the slaves doing jobs. And they would get paid for um, because some slaves and also serfs, serfs throughout the you know classic European serfdom would do jobs on other masters for land. And they actually would purchase their own freedom. How could they do that if the slave owner held them all, uh, held all their uh, 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 fruits of their labor, so to speak? So in that regard, taxation in a way, you know, it's in a way it's a sort of form of taxation. That's actually an area where the Austrians are more pure than the Marx, the Austrians view taxation is theft as theft and slavery i think it's perfectly correct to do so from my understanding and this is i get some youtuber todd lewis is that early roman republics the the, the patricians wouldn't pay any taxes they might have to do military service but they wouldn't pay any uh, taxes um so in that regard they were not enslaved by the state and actually the randians have the same view on taxation now of course the social democrats like ben burgess have a sort of pro-taxation mindset. Of course, they will only want to tax the rich, but it never seems to work out that way. Um, so, so those are sort of the, the, the technical economics. You know, would paying them more, uh, paying them more alleviate this problem? Um, and I think the final aspect is cultural, uh, you know, dignity. Uh, and we're going to get into all these topics in more in depth, but I'm just sort of outlining them. And the cultural part is, you know, is the job a good job? You know, and then again, back thing to American culture's view on American South slavery. Again, in the movies, they always show the brutal aspects. This goes back to Walter Block's thing about picking cotton uh, or coal mining, which is which is a form of which coal mining is a pretty brutal job. I was listening to environmentalists 
And he was saying that, you know, no one would choose, freely choose to do coal mining under free conditions. That may or may not be true. If you paid them more, they might do it. Um, um, maybe bootlegging, but if you paid them more, they might do it. Um, which goes back to sort of the, the theory of how you got, you know, the wages, of, of, so to speak. So, so you know, dignity matters too. Is the job dignified? Very few people think, you know, yeoman carpenters are wage slaves. Uh, very few people who think that. Well, yeoman carpenters wouldn't be by definition. But, you know, certain jobs, even you work for them, they have prestige. People don't view them as slavery. So I think dignity matters, too. You know, they don't they view this sort of baroque, the, the, the brutal jobs as that. So, so then I've outlined some technical economics and some cultural part and as well as the dignified. So that goes into what is and isn't slavery. Uh, so what do you make for first with and over the technical aspects of slavery and Hoppe's point about price? time preference and what do you agree with and what do you disagree with so i would agree with hopper that um the capitalist relation with his worker is not ipso facto exploitative on the basis that the um that the employer pay the capitalist pays his employee less than the products of his labor inverted commas insofar as he earns uh, interest um but i mean that that that's 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 clearly true now of course you you can make the case that you know uh, interest is um is exploitative exploitative in and of itself um but there's, there's there's another point really just in general with the marxist position which is oh the very fact that um the capitalist earns profits is indicative of exploitation because well if he earned profits and that is above the rate of uh, of interest that is as well is is that well this this clearly would then mean that um they were not paying the full uh full value for socially necessary labor time uh for the worker and so would therefore be exploited um which there's a lot to go there in the marxist position um but the the fact that um of a a capitalist makes a profit doesn't imply per se that they are being exploited it's more of a case that well um other firms have not actually another capitalists haven't put enough resources into uh, that area so that um the ones who do put it there and put it where consumers won't actually make profits because really pure economic profits exist where there's not enough resources being devoted to that area and you make losses where there's too many. I mean, that's the primary purpose. And exactly correct. You know, um, the the, the um, employee of the capitalist, you know, if he didn't like it, he'd in principle go elsewhere. Um, and so it's, you know, he can leave to some extent. Now, that said, does he does that worker have as m many options as he may otherwise do in a free society, which would improve his bargaining position? Well, no. And this gets to the interesting question of um, when you are a slave, to whom are you a slave? And I think one of the problems uh, with the uh, the left is that effectively they think that people are slaves of nature. And this is uh, bad. And it is, in a sense, bad. Uh, but they they kind of don't reckon that sort of scarcity is actually fundamentally a problem it's it's just caused by other humans who have made things scarce 
which is demonstrably false. So, for example, um, if you were in a uh, an island community of, of a free society, uh, pretty industrial, well, in a sense, you are a slave to nature because you, you can't control the environment in which you operate very well because you have no, no sort of like industrialized or post-industrial machinery or anything like that. And so you're at the whim of nature and your sort of material standard of living is going to be low. On the other hand, though, you can easily you can clearly make a case that there is um, you, you you are a sort of a slave of a person as such, uh, which is sort of the classical chattel view. I, I own you, for example. Um, but in in that sense, can you have kind of as it were partial slavery? Well, um, well, clearly, yes, taxation is a form of it, regulations of various descriptions, licensing requirements, uh, basically anything which the state imposes, which increases barriers to entry uh, over and above uh, what would be voluntarily agreed to in the marketplace, increases um, increases cost of entry, which reduces the number of uh, of options for um, labourers. To, to take and therefore can in a sense be exploited by um, the state or by people within the current economic environment because the legal framework uh, gives them as it were uh, an artificial advantage in bargaining position which can then reduce the um, the pay and conditions of the workers uh, they employ. All that said, though, when it comes to slavery as well, I think you're exactly right with, with dignity, which we'll get onto later as to what that actually is. But um, but I, I do think that that, as you point out, is one crucial element to it. The idea, I think, as well with wage slavery, is you're doing very mundane jobs uh, with, over which you have little control or autonomy, and you're and and is, as well you're you're almost turned into a piece of machinery in a low wage job. That's interestingly the argument really of um, Metropolis, uh, the Fritz Lang film from the 1920s, which is effectively um, a Marxist film. And, and that's the um, the idea there is that the, the workers are acting in such a way that they look like they are sort of like pistons and things and they are sort of part of the machine. Um, so uh, yes, I do think you could argue that um, low wage jobs something is a partial form of of, of slavery uh, but of course it's, it's 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 a continuum the continuum point is clearly true this is this is one of the this is one of the bugaboos of analysis in general um so i think at the bottom you have chattel slavery and at the top you have where you own capital and you have good bargaining power interestingly i would say that and this is where the hoppians are correct in their class analysis that the person who owns the most power is probably the state or state employees with, with with private wealth, that would probably be a two-fang thing. Those 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 persons are actually the top of the pyramid. And this is where the Marxists and some of the classical anarchists are probably the classical anarchists are much better than the Marxists. Um, and then in principle, the Marxists throughout historic historically just became and this or else amazing in animal form of pointing this out how they just sort of take over and they run the factories even more brutally than. Um, they did. They they did in a more exploitive and more alienative way um, than they did. So so I do think it's a continuum problem. Uh, and this also goes back to Hoppe because Hoppe oftentimes gets criticized 
for his argument about private be, preferring to be a private slave over a public slave, um, saying that he'd rather work, he'd rather be, you know, a serf of a monarch. And even Sean Gabb has a related point in defense of uh, landed aristocracy. Um, um, so that, that's another point that needs, I think, needs to be brought up here is that 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 to clear some of the air here, like how the, these people come up with these arguments and why I think they make sense to some extent. Uh, and this is based on again uh, time preference. You know, if you own the workers, you, you might treat them better if you're only a rental. Whether or not that's true or not historically is of some question. But again, this is a continuum problem, and I think it's quite clear at the bottom would be. Uh, Chattel's slave, although Hans Hoppe might argue that the bottom would be uh, maybe not far off would be working as a low-wage laborer for the Soviet Union, although that's unclear. Okay, so I think that's the first aspect. Um, now, I want to get into pay, because this is this is, this is is the thing that's often brought up here. It's their pay low, and they need to be fight for 20 or fight for 15 or fight for higher wages. Um, what complicates this factor is, is, is the money is the money that they're getting paid in is, is state money, which is constantly being inflated, which means the purchasing power is going down. So maybe in order to maintain wages, you need to keep constantly rising them um, because the state keeps inflating them, uh, which causes consumer price inflation. So I think I got that uh, model basically correct. Um, but nonetheless, if you paid them more, uh, if you paid the workers more, and this comes up with Richard Wolfers, and, you know, if you paid if you paid the steel workers more instead of paying um, the owner more, would you would would, would that alleviate? Th that's that's part of it. Like, if McDonald's workers got paid more, uh, would they would they suddenly be better off? Well, I think one one part that needs to be bring in is 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 be, being a McDonald's worker is an easy job. It's easy in the sense that it doesn't require it, it's. Now, people like Matt Brunig are all get annoyed at, and some of the Christian lefties would get annoyed at me by pointing out that it's actually harder than it looks. And in a way, it's harder than it looks, but in a way, no one really thinks that, you know, if you look at high-wage jobs, there's generally a large correlation between that and skill. Um, and typically, low-wage jobs are also low-skill jobs. It's not a perfect correlation, but it is, it is largely true. So no one really thinks a person who's working at a nuclear power plant um, is you know, uh, is a less skilled job than flipping hamburgers. Um, but in general, the low-wage jobs are the kind of boring, mundane jobs, the Amazon pickers as well, um, 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 so and so forth. So so if you paid them $100,000 a year, uh, would they suddenly become, would they suddenly become um, non-wage slaves? Well, that would be an interesting thought example. This 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 is this is where I think the left in general has a sort of reality problem, as David Friedman would argue. Uh, you know, if, if, first of all, you paid people hundred thousand dollars to flip hamburgers. Many people would just drop out of school and just flip hamburgers and get paid hundred thousand dollars. That would be that would <laughs> that would be what they would do. It would have a so so one of the reasons why these jobs are paid low based on supply and demand is 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 there's not there. It have to. It has to. It has to match the supply of people that want to do it versus demand. And actually, this is one of the arguments of raising wages in this coronavirus pandemic. Is employers, people are so scared. Some amount of people are still scared, whether they're faking it or not, is some question. So they have to sort of convince them to come out. Uh, so they pay restaurants have to pay higher wages. But this would just mean there's fewer restaurants um, uh, because people don't have. You know, the cost of going to a restaurant would go up. 
which then goes back into sort of broader broader topics of like you know what kind of society one one lives in so so then i've made some comments here regarding pay you know you know people talk about the amazon pickers one of the reasons amazon has a dominant position arguably in the market now let's just pick on amazon here is that it delivers the shipping very cheaply uh, uh and i think it could not do that without um paying its workers as little as possible and as much as and this is where people tend to vote with their wallets and their feet. People choose to buy their stuff shipped by Amazon. And there are similar companies, Walmart, the, the companies that are cheap. They don't choose to buy at the living wages. And particularly, you know, the sort of professional class that oftentimes does that. They buy from the cheap. So so, so, so we've done an episode on third worldism, interestingly enough. But nonetheless, this, this, this would mean that goods might cost more and they couldn't buy as many goods. If you were to pay that, that that would be the end result of paying them in my book. Do you agree largely with that analysis? And do you have anything to add to that about paying more? Would that would that would that solve it for the Marxists if it met the profits? If um, you paid them more, would you be able to uh, would it um, change the current economic arrangement? Well, certainly. I mean, could Amazon function uh, with uh, pickers being paid more? Probably not, at least. Uh, they wouldn't be nearly as popular uh, if they did. But then, of course, when you come to, Mado- uh, to sorry, McDonald's, uh, well, McDonald's as well, uh, Amazon, you then have the infrastructure subsidy arguments of Kevin Carson, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so as to what it would look like is, you know, if you were to get rid of the subsidies, direct or indirect, is uh, less than straightforward. Um, but you're certainly right. I mean, just paying people more is going to cause, if you were to do it to like a minimum wages in industries, for example, it would cause a radical alteration of the types of um, jobs that uh, existed. Number of people in sort of the restaurant industry would be much lower, et cetera, et cetera. And that's certainly true. When it comes to pay, I think that's interesting. I, um, I don't so let's assume away the interrelated problems and let's suppose we could pay the mcdonald's worker more money let's suppose we paid the mcdonald's worker 20 pounds an hour um would that cease to be wage slavery well in a way he would be able to earn more which means his standard of living would be higher now but would he really have a i think one of this is a sense of the marxist idea of like alienation yeah. Would this worker still be alienated from his labor? Even if he was paid more. And I think, well, probably to some extent, because I think at least um, when it comes to dignity, um, there's a few aspects, I think, uh, that are important. Firstly, I think to have a dignified job, and this is why the yeoman carpenter, I think is is not considered a slave is because he has a lot of control over the type of work um, that he does. You have a lot of autonomy. I think that's one aspect of not being a wage slave. Uh, another is um, that probably related to the level of autonomy, although not necessarily, it's, it's a job that people hold in uh, high social esteem, in, in high esteem. Um, so, um, so for example, like um, teachers, if they're not being paid very much, and even if they just have to teach the curriculum, they are considered rightly or wrongly 
useful socially and have high social status to some extent. And so then that job is somewhat dignified. Um, I think uh, as well with with dignity, um, I suppose if you don't have much control of it, but you kind of like doing it, in a sense, you're 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 not really alienated from it, and therefore you see it having some form of intrinsic worth, and so that can, gives it some form of dignity. Now, obviously, money helps as well, um, and that's probably related to the um, uh, to, to 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 the the social standing that that uh, job has, um, but just by paying people more, you wouldn't solve any of these um any of these things i i suppose you could say paying men more would would help with dignity insofar as uh, the the young male working at mcdonald's is going to be significantly more marriageable now that he is paid a, a much higher salary which simply doesn't matter to the same extent with female employees because basically men will marry any woman who they like and an, inc- an income doesn't matter nearly to the same extent. Um, but the, the, those are, the, I would say, the, the, the factors with respect uh, to dignity, uh, autonomy, uh, social standing of the job and to what extent um, you actually enjoy doing it. The status argument is, is interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, this is this is where the this is where the managerial class, so to speak, and the up the middle class left, uh, liberal class left, have a kind of snobbery to working class jobs, which also shows up in the education system and the sort of disdain for vocat vocatech education with respect to college education. Uh, uh, they sort of poo poo people coming electricians and carpenters and garbage men, even though arguably they make more than adjunct professors. So in this regard, I'm I'm somewhat of a I'm you know if I I'm somewhat of a salt of the earth type in the sense that if I'm gonna crash on a deserted island, the last person I want is a college professor. I mean I'll take the carpenter, I'll take the well the electrician would be difficult, but the electrician probably has useful skills like hand-eye coordination and things like that, and strength um, and things like that. So so the sort of working class type traditional working class jobs. Um, the disdain for them is rather interesting, uh, and and Keith Preston was brought this up once um, that you know he he would organize you know university students to try to help at the IWW and the, like you know they, they, these these sort of tough older guys and they were calling like you know Mexicans and African Americans all sorts of slurs and the students were sort of horrified at that. Um, um, so this 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 to some extent mirrors my own experience at you know low wage jobs as well. So sort of. Uh, 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 I, I have a little bit of experience in that. Um, um, so, uh, uh, but yeah, the you know the paying them is clearly a case of of the, the status going up or down. Um, and the the left the left in this in the developed world does have a sort of I don't actually a triple standard here because uh, in some ways it fetishizes them, in some ways it doesn't. Interestingly, one of the differences between the historical what Marx would call proletariat and the current um, underclasses. The historical proletariat worked very hard. Um, you could see that with coal mines. You could see that with the serfs. You could see that with all sorts of people. They had to work. They had to work very hard. The current underclass in the United States 
And this, this to some extent, explains the taxation parts. And this is where we can actually bring in Ayn Rand somewhat. Um, uh, the current underclass in the United States has an unemployment problem or underemployment problem, not an over, not being worked too hard. Of course, they could sign up for a job and work very hard at a low wage, um, but there's a there's a sort of degree in which they don't have to because we're a much wealthier society. We do have some form of welfare state, informal and informal, even in the United States. Uh, there's Medicare, there's there's disability insurance, there's all sorts of things, uh, and there's uh, so so the, the historical proletariat worked. What Marx was describing in the 1800s, they worked like they worked worked like um, dogs. Like certain railroads, if you lost your hand in one of these switches, they would just fire you um, um, because you were no longer useful to them. Th those kind of practices are very much long gone. Although Amazon, to some extent, Amazon Amazon might be the closest doing that. People get dropped carpal tunnel from the picking. Um, um, so so paying them more or offering them more benefits might alleviate certain aspects of that. But the dignity question, I think, is still central here. And what exactly um, makes a wage slave and what doesn't make a wage slave? Because, for example, um, many journalists on newspapers don't get paid very much. But people do not view that as wage slaves. Uh, uh, you know, many adjunct professors don't get paid very much. Um, do people view them as wage slaves? Uh, would the professors? Well, the professors at times might view that, but you know, and th this also is that, that is, is that a hobby for them? A hobby? You know, this also shows up in like uh, people who own very small businesses that don't make much money that this live at subsistence. I don't view those people who own small businesses at subsistence as wage slaves. I don't view college professors who choose to be college professors and make 20 grand a year. Uh, as wage slaves, although although by technical economic means, I, I clearly I think they are. Uh, uh, if, if you, for example, own a bike shop, you know that's a very notoriously uh, low margin industry. I mean, you barely make it along. Many of these places, well, actually, they did quite well. Um, or or a similar industry like that. That's a hobby. Um, and again, this is where the Marxist labor theory of value starts falling apart um, because. Because it 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 seems to fetishize labor, uh, and it sort of <laughs> in a way in a way it hyper fetishizes labor in a way which the capitalist doesn't. I mean the capitalist has no problem with labor saving devices. The luddites do. Um, the luddites have much more problem with getting rid of of capitalist uh, labor saving devices that come in. And that was one of the things that ignited the Pittsburgh Railroad strike, which is a major strike that occurred. Um, with, the, with respect to the Pennsylvania Railroad, they wanted to modernize their locomotives, um, which would lead to cuts. And actually, one of the reasons why diesels were phased out, one of the reasons why there was hesitancy to phase out steam engines was that diesels um, wouldn't exactly create all these all these jobs. That, that steam engines were very labor intensive, diesels were less labor intensive, and the phasing out of them was a problem because they had to lay off a large amount of the workforce. So I do think the Marxists at times, when it comes to dignity and those sort of brutal jobs, want it sort of both ways. They want to say they're brutal jobs that should be abolished. Um, but then again, they also turn around and say they should do something else. And then the problem with doing something else is there isn't, there isn't at times there isn't always an easy industry for them to go right back into or do something like that. You know, we see this showed up with the American South after the Civil War, where they have all these ex-slaves. They just became, became sharecroppers. 
um, right after it. Um, so now, which, you know, if you take the Marxist analysis and the Hoppian analysis, you, you start coming up with weird weird, weird conclusions that le led, well, that caused downward pressure on northern factory workers. Uh, <laughs> you start, it, you know, this, which is actually how you got the minimum wage here in the United States, which is the very politically incorrect history of the minimum wage here in the United States. But I do think what goes into wage slavery has to hinge on dignity because the you know, the adjunct professor or the small shop owner who may make less money, less money than the um, less money than the McDonald's employee uh, a after expenses, you know, because if you, if you calculate some of these very small businesses, arguably there's some sub shops where I, I, I doubt the owners makes more than four dollars an hour if he took his expenses and his costs um, seriously. But that person enjoys running a, a small pizza restaurant. Um, he, well, he enjoys it enough that he does. Now, the, the, the Matt Brunig problem is those jobs don't pay as much. Um, those small, you know, boutique, bourgeois-type jobs don't pay as much. Um, so are they enslaving themselves? I think by logic, by Marxist logic, they are. So then what do you make of my sort of uh, – I've been ranting a little bit, bit, bit about here, but there is, seems to be a fetishization and wanting it both ways when it comes to labor uh, with respect to the Marxist left that I don't think is the case with the capitalist right. Swithin? Well, you are right with the fetishization of labor because it all comes down to the labor theory of value. You have the, the salt of the earth uh, proletarian workers who put in the socially necessary labor time to produce uh, consumer goods. And um, they have a terrible drudgery of a job, but they put lots of uh, effort in and the the socially necessary type and so you know if they pay were paid the full fruits of their labor then they would be paid a great amount but yeah and you're exactly right as i alluded to earlier um a key aspect of the um of the wage slave argument is really i think to us it comes down to autonomy i think the fact that you can work for this mega corporation over which you have very little control basically means you're a slave. And I suppose you could then, if you extended this argument, um, you could make an argument that but those people who work in relatively high paid jobs um, in corporations are effectively a slave to the corporation, um, which is not something anybody typically talks about because, you know, you probably have relatively high social status. But, you know, your activities are relatively circumscribed, uh, although I suppose you could argue the same is true of um, of journalists. But I, I but I, I do think uh, the key one of the key aspects is 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 the autonomy one, because to be a slave of somebody else, you have to do what they tell you. Now, you could, of course, argue that in the free society or in Ankapistan, uh, the business owner is a slave of the customer. Um but as Rothbard pointed out in Man, Economy and State, that's untrue, because if the um, business owner doesn't want to do what the customer wants, then no trade takes place. That's how that's why Rothbard objects to the concept of consumer sovereignty. He rather argues it should be individual sovereignty instead, uh, which I think is accurate. Um, so when it comes to um, pay, etc., it's. It's, you know, we can't it can't just be pay. And I think I think the, the 
the issue I think with the left when it comes to dignity of uh, working class kind of jobs is that I think they have the idea that eventually you could get practically speaking or in the near future get rid of the icky jobs that the icky people do and then if you gave them sort of more um, sort of uh, dignified work then they would become less icky and make less uh, Mexican jokes um, and I think it's sort of like the fundamental egalitarianism of the left actually breeds this sort of uh, snobbishness when it comes to the, as it were the lower classes whereas the right simply don't care about that they go well yeah there's people on the top and people on the bottom but the people on the bottom are still people they're still providing useful social function yeah of course you know they they aren't of the same standing as um as the upper class but you know you've got noblesse oblige you know you've got uh you know the rich have obligations to the poor you know to treat them well or to give alms in uh the time of of need but the sort of strictly sort of um, meritocratic uh, view of the of the left to a large extent, insofar well meritocratic and sort of egalitarian insofar as where everyone can become, uh, uh, you know, um, a upper middle class media type uh, in their sort of lifestyle and income and social standing. Um, then when everyone's not there, then that's kind of a, a problem, which I think explains to a large extent the, the, the snobbishness. Um, so I think to get. So in a society, I think you always have lower paid jobs, and I think some people will just like working for somebody else and being told what to do. I think that's certainly true. Now, how will these people ever get dignity and be not considered a wage slave i think to a large extent it comes down to the upper and middle classes recognizing that well you're actually doing a a job that you know has value now i think that would increase probably anyway in a free society because a lot of i think a lot of jobs that currently exist you think why on earth do you do that is largely due to to state intervention uh and um and uh regulation etc you know why i mean i mean i mean all these ridiculous sort of like a uh, legal compliance jobs one thing i mean there's no real sort of it's it's just that's a bit of a waste of a time of a job well, well yeah of course it is but you just got to do it to like to, to tick all the boxes to keep the government off your back um so I, I do think there'd be more obvious um uh value in jobs in a free society but I think you're still going to recognize that there's going to be some there's always going to be some jobs that are going to have more dignity and less. Uh, but I think the main thing is going to be the, the the elite to actually recognize the lower class as whilst being lower class are still not negative and therefore have are, are worthy of uh, some forms of respect. That, that, the, the, the irony here is how the, the, the supposed egalitarians are the ones that end up with the snobbish position. And the supposed inegalitarians one are the ones that own up with the uh, end up with the functionally less snobbish position uh, where more people are valued than less people valued. I think I think this gets gets into the uh, uh, the position that 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 dignity dignity in a certain sense the capitalist hand still to some extent um, meet uh, illuminate. I would say capitalism hasn't succeeded far enough 
in my in my in my in my opinion because then if we had a more perfect capitalist society we'd have the um and this sometimes is a horror show for the uh this is sometimes a horror show for the left but but having high having 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 jobs that pay well are the jobs that are viewed by society as valuable so this this oftentimes shows up with like the feminism debate for example um but i, I actually think the fact that they're paid low is actually is actually at times an explanation that they're they they are valuable um but that everyone can do them um so you get these sort of weird weird dilemmas where women leave the home to work for a corporation to pay a hundred thousand dollars um but they're going to have a nanny raise their children um, um so that that's a kind of a strange view um now you know for example both my grandmothers worked but they one of them they worked because they needed to um they worked because they needed to in that regard well maybe maybe by some sort of uh super like utilitarian primitive especially they didn't really need to um but but there is a certain degree in which which become weird the modern world has increasingly come up with with weird with weird weird twists where people find working for large corporations to be almost emancipatory and working at home or working for yourself as to be uh unemancipatory um that 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 is one of the most strangest things that exists in the modern world here uh, with these sort of obsession with wages, which is actually one of the reasons I think in why in Kapistan actually aligns more of human nature here. Um, and and Thaddeus Russell made an interesting argument in his book Renegades of History, which is called the freedom of slavery, where he argued that that the that with respect to the work aspect, um, um, unlike the owners and unlike the upper man upper class, up the managerial class. The slaves of the system are actually quite free, um, so so they're actually quite free in what they have, what they get to do in their free time. So they work, but once they're out, or even when they're working, they don't have to pay attention much. They're doing a very boring job. The person that's making hundred thousand dollars is doing a harder job that requires more focus. Those lower paid jobs, you can just sort of goof off and so forth. There's less, there's less. Um, more more opportunities to shirk and more opportunities to that. So Thaddeus Russell comes up with the conclusion that the slaves are actually, in a way, more free. And that's how Thaddeus Russell says that jazz music develops. So this is another way, uh, this is another area of jazz music, which then creates rock and roll, which creates the counterculture. Uh, this is another area where the left wants it both ways. They want the benefits of slavery, but that they don't want the cost. They want the costs, the benefits of freedom, but they don't want the cost. And this goes back to the slave of nature thing here, not a slave of of another person, unless you think that society is a kind of person. Um, but I would argue society exists, and this is comes up with Hoppy's short history of, you know, society, the division of labor exists um, to increase humans flourishing, unless of course you're a primitivist. Um, then you think civilization is a kind of curse, which may or may not be true, but that again, the left is generally views itself as a hyper progressive, not a primitive force. With that respect, that what do you make of the argument that slaves are in a way more free? I mean, this is one of the best arguments of why you become a wage slave. Uh, is is it's a sort of easy job. It's easy with respect to the mental aspect. Uh, it's monotonous, possibly. It's easy to do. It doesn't require much education. It doesn't require much uh, skill. It doesn't, you know, and and to get those jobs that pay more, that requires more of that. Um, so then what do you make of that? And as well as what do you make of with the, the strange, um, you know, because, because you almost end up the view and some early feminists have this of like women being exploited 
um, in, by stay-at-home parents. So that's what I made two comments there. Uh, what do you make of them? Well, when it comes to uh, our low-paid, our, our slaves, the freest in society, well, in a sense, well, I suppose it, it would depend to, I suppose, to some extent on your cognitive ability. But to do a, a low-paid job, which is um, which is easy, means that, um, you know, you can work and if you can pay your bills and you can do what you want. I remember coming across a guy who he just worked easy jobs and he paid. He, I suppose he got to, I think he got to like management level of like a pizza hut or or, or something. Um, and um, he didn't particularly want to go particularly high. He just wanted an easy money and then he could do what he wanted. You know, he could play games, he could read, uh, you know, he could do what you want. And, and when you get uh, jobs typically of higher social standing or whatever, you, you're going to sacrifice income for time. I mean, this is one way you could argue that like very rich people, entrepreneurs and things are sort of slaves of their own companies i mean the very one of of the entrepreneurs who are millionaires they uh, work ridiculous days they work like 14 hour days regularly uh like like every day and it's like well wouldn't you like just to earn less and like do more fun stuff um so yeah certainly in in a way that's true especially as well with low-paid jobs if you could just get by um then you don't need to um, go and train or go to a trade school or whatever. You just get out of school, hopefully as early as possible, work, and then you set up and you can do whatever you pretty much want to for the rest of your life. Um, so I think that's true. Um, onto the feminism point, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's utterly bizarre um, is uh, the feminist uh, view of things well it, it isn't entirely i mean there are some women who are basically more masculinized and would rather seek status from uh activities in the external world in business in technology or whatever and um, i think to a large extent although i haven't done any extensive research on this, i suspect this is where a lot of the original feminist movements comes from um because they wanted to do something different and didn't want to be sort of under the thumb of their husband but most women don't tend to want to go that high or to earn that much uh i mean i'm pretty sure the data is that if a woman earns more than her husband like the probability of divorce is really high uh, well or it's, it's significantly higher than if the husband earns more than the the wife it's it's not something that they either want in most cases or will do well if they have it. And for those women who are, you know, more traditionally minded and by traditionally minded, I don't mean as in like conservative traditional, but insofar as, you know, they, you know, they like people, they like children. uh, They like doing things with their family. Um, those women, you know, why be sort of, uh, as it were, a, a slave of a, a corporation would be a slave of your husband? I mean, I'm pretty sure you're going to have more bargaining power over your husband than you are of uh, a mega corporation when it comes to your your line of employment. So that's sort of like an utterly um, 
an utterly bizarre position to take. The bizarreness of yeah, the bizarreness of that position is apparent, and this this goes back into the um, you know, how, if Marx has an argument how we got here, uh, how they got the original capitalists, this this poses problems with the you know, if you if you really look at who fills a lot of these what the the left likes to call um, you know, retail wage slave wage slavery. Um, because the truck drivers and those jobs, those jobs pay a lot more. The welders, those jobs, those sort of higher end Votech jobs, they some they're, they're almost now like a you know the oil riggers, the, the drillers, and the frackers. Those those people get paid well, so it's a lot harder to say they're wage slaves. But look at the sort of retail, uh, those type, they tend to be women, interestingly. Um, um, I don't know the exact numbers for each society, but you know from the, the tendency is them. To be women increasingly, actually, in this, you know, what the proverbial satanic mills of the, of the, you know, industrial age, that was the case as well. Um, so there is an interesting relationship here between gender politics and wage slave, which oftentimes goes missed by the left, which is one of the things I wanted to, to bring up here at the end here, uh, uh, because, because, you know, going back to what is a dignified job and what isn't a dignified job. With the obsession with the Marxists end up having a weird obsession with with um, having market having a having a high paying job basically. Matt Brunig basically wrote an article for Jacobin basically arguing that you know why why work for a low low paying job when you can work for a high paying job. Now I, I agree Ayn Rand Ayn Rand for the win at times. If you want to make more money, go make money more money. Um, but this this goes back to values. Uh, this goes back to values, like you know, what exactly do you value? Is the only value uh, is the only value of their money there? So so again, no, no, I don't think we have actual slavery where we're selling and buying. Um, um, maybe maybe in Libya we do. Uh, thanks Hillary Clinton. But you know, here in the United States, Western Europe, Japan, that kind of Slavery is as an exist. So in that regard, I don't think wage slave wage slavery working at McDonald's or someplace like that for seven bucks an hour is slavery. But I think on another level, it is the case. But the way we got there is rather complicated, and uh, the, you know, the, the motives we do is is rather complicated. And I sort of wanted to get. I'm fairly happy with how we sort of laid this out. I don't. As an individual, I don't condone anyone who does it. I think it's actually a good thing. I good thing. I, I don't know if I would defend the sweatshops there. I wouldn't know if I'd go full Yaron Brooks here. But I also don't think I would go full Keith Preston and say that they are they are slaves, uh, uh, wage slaves, or, or full Kevin Carson. Um, so what what do you make of those final two points Swithin and I, I've made about the actual you know how we got here? You broadly agree with that sort of interesting side history and as well as the sort of two later points about you know what we need to make of the people making these choices here to go do that i mean my personal view is that in some ways there is a inegalitarian and some people are just going to make bad choices um if it, i don't know what we can i don't know what i as individuals can change that um um uh, but those are my my sort of thoughts there swithin well when it comes to sweatshops would i sort of like um support sweatshops well i suppose my my general view is that well they aren't ideal far from it uh but um given the situation in which you're operate they're operating they seem to be the 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 least bad alternative 
I mean, I'm pretty sure I've heard of um, people like illegally uh, emigrating into places like uh, I think like Cambodia to work in sweatshops in Thailand because it pays way more than they do in the field, which is probably true. But that then the question is, well, why can you earn so little in the field? Well, clearly it could be like a, like a lack of capital or it could be historic land theft as well. And all the best land is 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 appropriated by other people, which is entirely possible. Um, so to your second point, yes, um, the left really have got uh, a lot to answer for when it comes to uh, wage slavery of women in particular. Uh, it probably or it possibly comes from the materialism of Marx and the general sort of anti uh, family positions that he held. But. Uh, today, the only sort of value that is sort of uh, supplied culturally is in the marketplace. And you have to be part of an, a corporation or, or, or a firm to be employed. You can't be, as it were, employed by your husband. That's demeaning. But uh, being employed by a corporation is, is good. Now, I do think um, being more home focused is significantly has significant less social standing did historically. But I do think um, when it comes to um, dignity, dignity in general, I do think it's a bigger problem for men than for women, because if a woman um, becomes pregnant and then raises a child, well, OK, you might think, well, well, you know, you should give it to a nanny and pay someone to do it and you should go and work for Walmart. But that generally has at least some social standing he's going to have more social standing than the man who ends up working as a sewer diver uh those exist uh, in india are particularly unpleasant uh the preparation for becoming a sewer diver every day is normally drinking lots of whiskey um and so uh, dignity in uh in action i think is a much more male um um requirement the men actually have to go and do something if you considered socially um valuable uh, whereas women don't tend to need to do that um as much uh, i mean there's you can make some evolutionary bio biology arguments on, on that basis um but that said you know that they are sort of pushed into retail i mean it's just a whole hilarious thing about lockdowns it's it's it and um in coronavirus it's like oh no more men may have died of coronavirus oh no but women are picking up the, all the work you know they're having to do the or how many shifts i don't know the feminists are talking about these days oh they the, they have to look after the children now and they need to work at the same time and oh, all this sort of thing and, and it's like as ever with anything if it looks like it's affecting men more badly than women then the immediate uh, thought is let's try to interpret this as how it's oppressing women um but obviously you know if the women weren't working outside the home to start with then it wouldn't have been as much of a problem and interestingly um like the whole school issue of lockdowns and things would be significantly less uh of a problem um and and and, uh and things because you know well the women would have been out of the workforce to mess up the the um uh the the current sort of structure of production because they wouldn't have been there to begin with or they'd been effectively employed by the husband um now is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, that's another question, but it, it at least highlights um, highlights that difference. And um, and it is weird. I, I, I've, I've talked some a couple number of years ago. I had a few female 
um, students who are uh, in that sort of high, high end of high school in the American context. And, and they were just like complaining. I can't remember how it came up, but there was always like the, the women in STEM promotion every time science, technology, engineering and maths, because this is what they must do, because this is the serious stuff and this is where you get value. And they were like, we don't care. <laughs> we don't want to go into STEM. Um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I expected. So it is bizarre. And, and, and it, but again, it's um, oddly, again, in the same way that the left basically dislikes the poor. Um, actually, the left actually dislike women because uh, what women should do is try and do things in a traditionally male environment. And that's where value uh, resides. Um, which which the male environment, as they say, is more exploitive. I mean, they they will complain about the conditions of Amazon. I mean, the oh average... yeah, yeah, but they, what they need to do is they need to climb up and get yeah. there and, and, and compete with the men and become <laughs> on top and become well. Interestingly, the the, the highest paid CEO in England is uh, head of a of a of a, of a really a, a big bastion of virtue of Bet three six five, and she was paid like a couple of years ago two hundred and sixty five million pounds in a year uh as ceo of bet365 because that's where women should be uh, the ceo of a betting company the i i bring i bring these up not necessarily to score points but to sort of highlight the uh the general weirdness of how we got a lot of modern day wage slavery um and this goes back to you know why does the restaurant sector exist well people eat out more often why do people eat out more often well that answer becomes quickly logical to answer once you sort of, you know, you know, I don't even, I, I think that, that, I think, I think the people listening to this could assume why that happens. So, you know, eating out, that, that's a big reason why we eat out. We don't eat at home as much, uh, for better or for worse. You know, you can, might say this is a feature, but if you want people to eat out, you need to have people to employ there and do that. So, yeah, the, the weirdness of how we got to the modern day economy, the left has played a huge role in creating it, the cultural left, the economic left. That's largely resided in the Soviet Union, which actually has created this weird sort of reactionary society in Eastern Europe, um, which, you know, <laughs> so so in that regard, the, that's another strange outcome of the last, you know, 150 years of intellectual and economic history since, you know, the French Revolution and the Industrial Revolution here. Um, uh, I do I do think going forward, there will be less wage slavery with, with or without um, coronavirus, thanks to inflation, which will make working um, less useful uh, and, you know, staying at home hopefully will be, I mean, this is, this is where, this is where I actually think the high UBI ends up being a positive thing uh, uh, culturally, whether or not it's positively economically is some of the question. This goes back to the nature point, uh, which, which is very key. Uh, you know, I think this is the whole problem with the left. They don't really believe in actual scarcity. Uh, which is one of the reasons why people have to work, and particularly historically. Uh, historically, there was much more scarcity. So going forward, I think there might could be, thanks to technology, less work. But you have to stop fetishizing labor, and you have to stop fetishizing material values, which they're obsessed with material values. They're historical materialists. Um, um, so this is subjective theory value for the win. So those are my overall comments on wage theory. I... I I'm glad there are people that work for McDonald's. I wouldn't want to do it, but I don't really hold any snobbery against them. And I also do think if you think a job is exploited, if you have to quit on your own volition, 
Um, you know, you know the you know the Carthaginians, for example. Now this might be an extreme example. The Carthaginians male all killed themselves, and most of the women did too. Why? They didn't want to be slaves of the Romans. Um, so if you really think wage slavery is slavery, then you got to quit and accept the punishment. Um, and you know, there's a there's a Marxist claim when the operation of the machine becomes so obvious you have to make the machine stop, then do it. Have your revolution and quit. But then again, people vote with their feet. By by their feet, it seems like it's it seems like they enjoy it enough to keep doing it. But then again, who knows? Swithin, do you have any final comments? I've enjoyed this discussion very much. Oh no. Um, I, I I agree uh, in, entirely. Um, what I would say with um, with going forward, I suspect with the increase of home working and uh, Internet uh, availability, I do think you're probably going to be able to get more sort of um, self-employment. And I think that's going to become slightly easier, uh, which will reduce some uh, sort of aspects of wage slavery. But but when you say to McDonald's, I have no antipathy towards the people working at McDonald's. Uh, I remember being in Atlanta. Uh, this wasn't McDonald's. Atlanta Airport, and I it was the first time I went to. Oh, what's that? What's the Christian fast food place called? That's always on Babylon Bee. Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A. Yeah, Chick Fil A. I was there, and I was served by a very polite young black man who was there, and I was like, oh, he's a nice guy, you know. He's providing me a service. You know, he's doing a good job. You know, I wouldn't want to do it. But if he does it, he's getting paid and he can do stuff he otherwise wouldn't do. Then great. Uh, I, I was I was I was I was impressed. I, I, I liked it. You know, it was good. And, and similarly, when I've taught I've taught some really stupid people in the past. But I they were more pleasant and nicer to be around than some of the more intelligent ones who were somewhat unpleasant um and sort of almost sort of criminal in sort of like their conniving but one of the guys you know at a low-end job you know he'd do it he'd turn up on time you know he'd, he'd, he'd do what you wanted and you go home you'd never be the sharpest tool in the box but he could be useful and have a, a, a good life you know and he'd be a good asset to society as a whole um so i i, I, do, I do think what, what needs to be done when it comes to labor is to realize that not everybody can get to the top um not even basically in principle and uh and that uh to recognize the the use of people that uh do exist and what value they provide to society I'd just like now to thank everyone for listening if you've enjoyed this podcast please share it with your friends and family and if you can please subscribe to us on uh podbean or on youtube we have recently gone beyond 100 subscribers on youtube the more subscribers we get the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can enjoy the show and finally, if you'd like to contact the show for any reason, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. 